0: During these tumultuous times, many IT organizations are understandably averse to change because of possible risk and financial cost. It's more crucial than ever for software projects to deliver value. After all, the world won't stop moving, and neither will the competition. And yet, there's a balance to find
1: there. The big question is how can an organization adapt to these challenging times, but with the well being of its workers in mind? Leaders must prioritize both objectives. the latter carries a moral imperative along with it. I'm David Carty, site
0: editor of Search Software Quality. And I'm Ryan Black, assistant site editor of Search Software Quality. And this is the Test and Release podcast, where we talk with experts in the fields of software development and testing.
1: We've been on hiatus over the last few months due to the pandemic. Trust me, there's nothing like having a toddler at home to challenge your productivity. But we're back at it today with this conversation with Jeff Gallimore. He's the chief technology and innovation officer and co-founder at Accela, a Washington DC based consultancy. He's also an advisor for IT revolution, which hosts the annual
0: DevOps enterprise summit conference. We spoke with Jeff about how coronavirus has affected IT professionals both in and outside of work, as well as how organizations are dealing with these new changes. We also discussed with Jeff when to push decisions down to the team level and what he learned from this year's Virtual DevOps Enterprise Summit. Here's our conversation with Jeff.
1: Jeff, obviously the last year or so has thrown us all for a loop as our ways of working change. Um, how is Excella advising clients through their Agile or DevOps transformations right now? Are there some general takeaways that might be helpful to know?
2: Yeah, that's... Um... <laughs> There's, there's certainly been a lot of disruption this year. Uh, this is this is not the year that I think anybody expected uh, going into 2020, uh, but it's the it's the it's the year that we have, and um, I think a lot of a lot of what we're uh, talking to organizations about um, is how to it, it is really the mindset that they're that they're approaching um, all of this with. Uh, and I think there are probably a few different few different key points in, in that. N- number one is um, this all, all of this change um, is having a real people impact. Um, and that's that's both at work and outside of work. And for to have people and, and leaders in particular ex- expand their perspective um, to address the whole person. Because um, the 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 lines between work and home and personal and professional have just have just been obliterated um, and you can see these examples um, I mean think about the last time you were on a on a Zoom call or a video call and and somebody's kid walked up and you know needed mommy or daddy or um, mm-hmm. and
1: it was probably my kid in the last one, so. Well, right, you know, that, you it happened about? to me just
2: yesterday, and um, you know, dogs barking and and doorbells ringing and mm-hmm. you know stuff. You know, life happens. Um, uh, <laughs> in, in in what used to be the middle of the workday, and we have to we have to adjust our um, expectations that that's just that's just the new normal, um, and then people are also dealing with things that they didn't have to have to deal with before necessarily um like when uh we sent our kids to schools um and uh and we went to work and and then our worlds came back together again after the school day or after the work day well that's not happening now um there you know, p- people are having their kids go to school um right next to them at the at the kitchen table uh, and so i'm taking zoom calls uh with people at, at work or clients or whatever it happens to be and and kids are are right next um you know right next to us uh, having having interactions with their schoolmates and and teachers and uh that's 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 odd it's certainly unusual i don't know if that's ever happened before uh so just taking those kinds of things into consideration um as a leader as a manager as a professional for um for our teams um is super super important because we have to more so than ever um, address the whole person, so that 's I think thing number one is the, is the human um, aspect of, of all this disruption. The second part of this is uh, the attitudes that organizations are taking as it relates to what what this disruption or what these changes represent um, and the, and the approach that they're taking to deal with them and some organizations um, it's it's, uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to try and write it out. Um, I'm going to try to preserve the status quo. Uh, hang on you, by hook or by crook. Uh, that, that's, that's certainly one approach. And then I think a lot of organizations were in that mode very, very early on because we didn't, we didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, it was all new. There was no, you know, nothing to anchor to. Um, and so some organizations, probably quite rightly, just said, we're going to, you know, preserving the status quo was okay. But now as I think that this, this, all this is, um, has developed, we're realizing that this is not going to be a quick recovery. We're not going to get back to whatever the old ways used to be. Um, uh, and we need to start looking forward at what, what new looks like. And the the organizations that can can make that shift in their thinking and their mindset and their approach um, sooner rather than later are the ones that are probably gonna be more successful in dealing with it um, and coming out stronger um, than they were before. Uh, And even getting stronger in the middle of it, um, more so than the organizations that are still in that preserve and protect mode. Uh, And that, uh, even to amplify that statement, is with with change and disruption also comes opportunities for for rethinking things Um, rethinking whole business models rethinking of uh, of of ways that you're working rethinking of how you're engaging with your with your clients or your customers Um, it, it creates a lot of opportunities to ask and answer questions that may not have occurred to you before um, and it creates new possibilities. And so organizations that are also engaging in those sorts of discussions in a, in a healthy, constructive sort of a way, um, I think are also um, are also going to be the ones that are, are making progress during all of this change uh, versus the ones that might be even regressing.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that dovetails nicely into um, another question I wanted to ask you. You know, we hear a lot in the DevOps community about mental well-being and psychological safety to your first right. point that you just mentioned. Um, there's a lot going on in the outside world and quite frankly, noise canceling headphones is not gonna block out a heck of a lot of it. Um, so do you see this as an opportune time for organizations to rethink how they approach these ideas? Um, and if so, how would you recommend that they do that?
2: Yeah, uh, so psychological safety has been, has been a topic, um, that has been uh, near and dear to me for for probably about four years now. Um, and I, it was important to me before that, I just didn't have the term, the the, the language, the terminology um, to know what to call it. Uh, and just to, just to share a little bit of the journey um, about that, uh, back in uh, probably 2015, 2016, I read the State of DevOps report for that year. And it talked about uh, culture in particular, and there's this, you know, this word culture, um, you know, it means so many different things to so many people, and you know, it's kind of this really amorphous, hard to hard to get a hold of kind of concept. Um, we all know that, like in our heart of hearts, that culture is an important thing and it matters and it's meaningful, and uh, but we had, at least for me, I had a really hard time describing what culture really meant. Uh, why it was important and what its connection was to uh, to team and to organizational performance, and so that that state of uh, DevOps report uh, led me, to, or in that report was um, was a discussion about the Westrum culture topologies, um, and looking at different kinds of cultures and how organizations uh, responded to failure and how they shared information. And that just sent me on this this whole journey of, of learning about culture and how it really connects to to team and to organizational performance, um, and so I'm very thankful for that because it was really a meaningful really meaningful journey. And as a part of that journey, I learned about psychological safety and the research of uh, Dr. Amy Edmondson in particular. So if anybody hasn't read uh, her book uh, "Fearless Organizations" or or watched watched her TED Talk, um, you should absolutely do that. Read her research. It's you know it's phenomenal, um, but that term psychological safety has now started to become um, much more part of the common collective consciousness of, of enterprises and of our industry. Um, that is really, really, Im- and because it's really, really important. And you, you acknowledge it um, when it's there, and appreciate it when it's there. And now you also have the term. For, uh, for when it's not, you know, when when you feel those factors um, that are uh, contributing to a, a lack of psychological safety and the, and the feelings that we didn't have really a great way to express before, we now have this this term that says either I have I have a lot of psychological safety and big thumbs up for that. How can we get even more of it, or? You know, I I really don't have that psychological safety. And now we have, as an industry, a much better understanding of of what that is and what that means and, and why it's important. And so um, that's a really long-winded way of saying that psychological safety now is so important um, because of all of the things, back to the earlier point about all of the, the life and the work stuff that's crashing together. Um, and the whole human being, the whole person, um, considerations that organizations need to have today. I mean, think about this. If, if I don't have a way, if I don't feel safe in, to, to bring up a challenge that I'm having at home with my, my supervisor or my company, like I, I have to deal with that. I have to, that's going to be a weight on me. Um, and I'm not going to be the best at home. I'm not going to be the best at work. Um, and that's going to have a real and material impact, not only on the human being that's going through that, but it's also going to have an impact on the organization because they're not necessarily going to get the best from that person. Um, so organizations need to need to expand their thinking about that and make sure that, that their folks do have that psychological safety so that they um, can not only engage in all of the professional um, behaviors you know, the behaviors at work that produce really good outcomes for the team and for the organization, like experimentation and risk taking and all that, but that they also feel safe that they can bring cares and concerns to, to, uh, to their boss or to their team or to the organization so that they can get addressed and they might be, um, you know, they can be more effective.
1: Absolutely. And this is a tougher task than ever, really, right? I mean, you know, burnout's a big part of this discussion and you know, uh, you're not having the same kind of face-to-face interactions that you have every day uh, with, your, with your teams. Uh, so it's, it's that much easier, I would imagine, to miss out on some of the cues or to have something like an IM or an email get misconstrued, right? I mean, I imagine vigilance is the key there.
2: Yeah. Having, um, for, for sure, the, the, the nature of the interactions have, have certainly changed. The tools that we have to use have certainly changed. And it's not necessarily that we weren't using video conferences and we weren't using Slack and we were using instant messengers, um, before, but it's just that they got supplemented with all these other things. Um, uh, cause we were oftentimes working together in person and I'd, you know, I'd get to ha- go have lunch with somebody or have a coffee with somebody. And, um, and now obviously that works, that, that, that looks kind of different these days. Um, And so one of the one of the transitions that I've seen in a lot of organizations and and enterprises is um, being much more intentional about creating the team level connections and the individual connect um, individual to individual connections um, to to have a cohesive team. as as all of this stuff shifted and we, and we started to lose, some organizations started to lose the opportunity to be together in person. Where you picked up a lot of, a lot of cues. Um, uh, if it's if it's live, you picked up the um, you know live and in person. You picked up a lot of body language. You picked up a lot of um, you know intonation um, in in how somebody said something or whether they weren't saying something uh, was also a cue or saying too much or or a lot or whatever it was, um, you, you just get to see how they were carrying themselves around in the office and, you, and, and we lost a lot of those signals. And so now organizations have to be much more intentional and proactive about making sure that those signals are still coming through, even though they might be coming through in a different way. Um, so I've seen um, a lot more uh, emphasis on team building activities uh, that you can do remotely. Um, I hear about uh, you know, some of the things that we're doing in, at my company. Um, we, have, um, we have virtual happy hours for sure. Um, we have uh, just team lunches where we, you know, we don't talk about work. Um, we're much more intentional um, or um, thoughtful about the fact that people need to talk about things that are going on in their lives. So it might be that the first five or 10 minutes of a work meeting, is spent talking about, you know, the new dishwasher that somebody is, is getting or the new washing machine that somebody just got, um, or, um, you know, this is what's happening with my kids, or this is the vacation that we just got back from, or or, um, or whatever it happens to be. So creating some more of that space for the, just the talk, uh, the ch- the chatter, the personal chatter um, within the team is is okay. and to be honest, that's a, that's a shift I've had to make a little bit in, in my interactions with my team. It's, we've got, we're a lot of, um, type A kind of go-getter personalities. And, um, you know, I, and I am too. And, uh, you know, I, sort of, I, I remember feeling this, like, I just, I want to get to the business, you know, the business stuff, like the work stuff, we got things to do and decisions to make and actions to take. And, um, and I've had to, I've had to check myself um, sometimes realizing that my, my team is like that too. Like if they're not, if, if this is the thing that they want to talk about, because this is what they're getting value from, like let's,
1: let's do that. Give, give, give the team what they need. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. So, so it's, it's fewer different
1: personal interactions in their, in their day-to-day lives yeah. too. That's,
2: that's right. That's right. The, um, uh, it, it, we got to have an outlet for that stuff. We're still human beings, and we still need what we need. Um, and if we can't get the need met one way, we're going to need to get the need met another way. And this is this is it's helping.
0: It's helping. A lot of IT organizations are, of course, risk and cost averse right now. You know, even when say like a new processor technology seems to have a lot of promise and maybe fits well within like a, a business process of theirs, but it sounds like in addition to kind of just like those risk and cost averse factors, it's just like, there's a, almost a psychological thing too. It just, in terms of just like there's only so much disruption people can psychologically take right now. Like, so yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if you could maybe just speak to those pressures, you know, affecting both, you know, at the organization level all the way down to the individual level just when it comes to implementing change, like, How are people dealing with those pressures? An organization's capacity to deal with change um,
2: has always been important, Um, and in and in fact, um, I would argue, and I think uh, there are a lot of people that I know and um, listen to a lot that would also say, you know, to the degree that an organization can improve their capacity for change, for adapting or adopting or implementing change, is also indicative of how successful they're going to be both now and in the future the more capacity for change that you have uh, in a healthy way the, the more successful you're going to be I think is probably the, the TLDR on that statement um, but but that being said, um, we're now having to deal with changes that we a didn't anticipate B are really significant not not only in the in the personal or the, in the uh, professional sphere but also in the personal sphere um, and, and that is limiting each individual's capacity uh, to, deal with, to deal with change. Um, and, it's, and it's also limiting the organization's capacity to deal with change. And so an organization needs to be, as a result of that, needs to be much more thoughtful and intentional um, about what changes uh, they are going to pursue. Um, because the organizational capacity is limited and even more limited now and it's people—the people that work in that organization—only have so much ability to deal with to deal with new, because of all the other new that they're dealing with. Um, and so, so the the point that you're making is absolutely correct. It's it's being uh, an organization needs to be really thoughtful about the changes that it is promoting, adopting,
0: uh, instituting within within the organization. You uh, you mentioned, of course, like an organization like in these current times has to be much more thoughtful in the way it approaches changes. Uh, I'm wondering, might that mean kind of pushing down those decisions like over whether like a changes are made or not to like the employee level as opposed to them being top level, uh, decisions? Yeah. Uh,
2: it's interesting that you, that you, you bring that up. I think that is a, um, it's a, it's something that a lot of organizations, uh, and a lot of leaders struggle with about what that right balance is. Um, I struggle with that too. Um, it is, it's a constant journey to, to calibrate correctly between, you know, when should I quote be the leader and like chart the path and, you know, we're going to do this, um, versus, you know, this is a decision and and, and a path uh, that I want to leave up to the team to figure out. And the answer is, I don't think it's, it's certainly not an either or proposition. It's not always the leader top down and it's not always the team bottom up or, you know, uh, you know chart your own course kind of thing i think there's there has to be a it's a both and it's probably a, a a an interaction and um i i for one still ask my team where how how do we want to approach this problem do you want me to you know do i do, do you think i should own this decision and certainly i have opinions on that um um uh, or is this something that you want to, to run with? And we're, we're in, this, um, in this dialogue about a lot of things about where that, about where that is. Um, there are some things I feel pretty strongly that um, you know, I'm willing to take recommendations and input on, on things. I absolutely wanna do that. I wanna hear what you think. Um, and I wanna hear um, perspectives and opinions from as many people as possible um but ultimately it's going to be you know I'm accountable for the decision and I'm going to do that but I want it to be an informed one um and then other times it's like well you know here's the outcome that we're trying to shoot for the team knows best what work needs to get done and the path forward so uh let me know what help you need to the point there's lots of different um lots of different decisions to be made lots of different courses to take um Generally speaking, uh, the team is the best to figure out how something needs to get done. Um, The leader needs to be seeking input and feedback and information about what needs to get done and maybe why it needs to get done. Uh, And then then having that dialogue uh, between the leader and the organization or the team uh, to calibrate where those things are and make sure that the expectations are clear. That's a lot of times where I see things kind of go off the rails or go sideways is when the leader and the team aren't clear about where decisions are being made um, and who's doing what. As long as that clarity exists, you're on, you're on pretty good footing.
1: Jeff, I'm sure it was hard for you not to experience the DevOps Enterprise Summit in person, uh, but we still heard some interesting tidbits out of the show this year, as always. Um, particularly, seemed like a more of an international um, uh, group of speakers, which is great. I mean, I guess that's one of the perks of having a digital show, but, um, I'm curious, you know, if there's a particularly interesting story or innovation that you heard out of the virtual DevOps enterprise summit, anything that's been kind of sticking in your mind from the show, uh, since it ended. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's more of
2: the the themes uh, I think than any, any necessarily one particular story. Um, and I could point to a lot of different stories uh, that, that that exemplify that theme um, and maybe there are there are a couple of themes that I take away from from, from the summit number one is uh- po- positive change is still happening uh it, it's it's things things haven't stopped for sure um, change is still happening good change is still happening positive change is still happening uh in a lot of in a lot of places and that's what we um that's what we see from the leaders and the stories from the stage that you know the virtual stage in, the, in this case but they're still talking about things that are that are happening and and progress that they're making and it's really encouraging to know that not everything comes to a screeching halt um that there's still some hope uh, <laughs> hope for for the rest of us i guess um that uh, that things good things can still happen so i think that's that's one thing. Um, the other thing that uh, the other theme, um, and this this is one again we we've, we've been talking about uh, that um, that's important to me that I, I really attach to is, is the leadership and the transformation part of this M- more so than the technology pieces. Um, I, I I'm I'm a geek. I'm a, you know I grew up as a as a developer and an engineer. That's where I started my career. So I I have this natural affinity to technology, and I you know I love the new shiny. Um, and I and I and I, you know, love the Kubernetes and the CI/CD pipelines and all of the tools and, and stuff like that as as much as anybody. Um, however, uh, what I'm really interested in is how technology can enable some of the changes that are happening um, in an organization, and those changes are uh, are they start with um, the leadership, the culture, the mindset, the approach um, the, uh, the, the thinking and the actions, um, that the people are taking, uh, to, to transform how they work, um, and how they think that's the stuff. And those are the other themes that I, that I see, um, coming, coming through in the DevOps enterprise summit trans, uh, uh presentations is the organizational transformation elements and what they're talking about. It's how do you get, How do you get people to work together? How do you get people to think differently? How do you get people to act or operate differently? Um, How do we rethink what it is that we're doing and why we're doing it? And and sure, technology is the thread through all of that stuff, but but it's it's those themes, what we do, how we do it, how we think, mindset, approach. Those are the things that are really propelling these organizations that are are accelerating away from the pack. to, to being who they are.
1: Fingers crossed that we have the uh, conference in person next year, Jeff, I imagine. <laughs> uh, f-
2: fingers crossed. Um, the, interest, the thing that we've, um, we've learned a lot uh, from the last two DevOps Enterprise Summits, uh, the one back in June and the one we just had, mm-hmm. um, we've obviously had to do the virtual conference um, you know, because of the, you know, the state of the world and all that. Um, but we've picked up some things that people are really appreciating about the virtual experience and lessons that we've learned that e- even in, in future summits, um, you know, we're going to bring some of those lessons forward. Even when we have the opportunity to get together in person, which will be fantastic, and I think we're all looking forward to that, um, there will be elements of that virtual experience that I think will really add uh, to the overall experience that people have um, with, with the summit. Um, that we're really excited about. So it
1: should, be, it should be a lot of fun. All right. Well, Jeff, this has been a great uh, discussion and really insightful. And thank you for joining us.
2: My pleasure. My pleasure.
1: Once again, that was Jeff Gallimore of Excella and IT Revolution. We hope you'll subscribe to this podcast for more conversations with experts.
0: And for tips, features, and other articles about software development and testing, please visit searchsoftwarequality.com. And you can also follow us on our new Twitter handle, at ttappdev.